Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I am Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting at NDT Scouting, also with FanRag Sports. Happy Friday, people. Uh, we are one week removed from the 2017 NFL Draft, and we have been spending time here on the podcast and NDT Scouting, recapping all the events that unfolded. And we are going to continue that today. Kyle, what's going on, man? What's up, man? This is uh, this has been a fun week. Kind of just letting the dust settle, really uh, you know, processing all the picks, all the players, all the fits. And uh, today we're going to be not nice. Yeah, it's this is like a, a tribute to John Ledger in, in a way, this show this here. This is very appropriate, yes. Yes. Ruffling the feathers. Yeah, John... Um, John is the the newest addition to NDT, and uh, uh, he made a new friend this week by uh, questioning the re- the value the Redskins got with uh, one Ryan Anderson from uh, University of Alabama. Uh, Ryan took some exceptions to what John said, and uh, in good fun, what I'm assuming is good fun, called John awesome. a Star Wars nerd. So um, John <laughs> is now the the resident Star Wars nerd. Kyle, I've never seen Star Wars. That's all right. You know, we've already talked about this. Oh, have you? We've been down this road. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, we have. Uh, Okay. At this point, I just, I just pity you, and that's it. Okay. All right. So, Joe, we're gonna pretend that uh, we didn't have to rehash this conversation, and I'm just gonna transition us into something that you do know, (laughs) and and that is the 2017 NFL Draft. Our objective today is we want to talk about picks that we feel like miss the mark. Um, some values, you know, this is one of the luxuries of doing 300 players is uh, you can really get a strong grasp on where you think teams got value and where you think teams left something to be desired. Uh, so, Joe, 
we're going to try not to go too hard into the John Ledyard uh, inflammatory take <laughs> plan, uh, but we are going to offer some insight here. Uh, who's a name that stands out to you when you look over the draft class and say, yeah, this they probably could have waited here, or yeah, they, they could have gone a different direction? Do I dare say C.J. Beathard? Oh, I was I was hoping you were going to be the bad guy and bring C.J. up. Well, I, I <laughs> I'm thinking all the the haters um, probably don't subscribe to the podcast, so this might but be a safe place. If they knew, if they subscribed to the podcast, they would have more context on um, our opinions, and we would not get this the level of vitriol. Uh, that we received for criticizing on the air uh, San Francisco trading up for C.J. Beathard. There were some not nice things said by Iowa Hawkeyes fans. Third-round pick C.J. Beathard. And, um, Ugh, this feels yeah. dirty. Yeah. No, it's not good. Yeah, I uh, didn't see that one. That one was one where I think there's probably other quarterbacks I would have been comfortable with, uh, a myriad of players at other positions I would have been comfortable with. I mean, if you're San Francisco and you've already got Brian Hoyer, uh, what's the point? What's the what's the point in in getting a player like C.J. Beathard to, you know, you be your developmental three, uh, especially at that stage of the draft? You have needs on top of needs. Beathard is not a player that gets me excited about his pro prospects. Everything's slow. Arm talent's below average, and uh, he's he just doesn't excite me for a third round pick. And um, I, it just that was that was one of the head scratchers for me. Well, here's what's confusing about it is a lot of the the reaction that we got is you guys must not have watched Beathard. He's got a cannon. Uh, <laughs> what's the barometer that gives CJ Beathard a cannon of an arm? Yeah, because that that ball does not get there very rapidly. And I guess he, when you've only watched Iowa quarterbacks oh, for your entire life. Oh, goodness <laughs> gracious, man! I had a wonderful time in Iowa City this past November. I'm never going to be welcome back. <laughs> I might not be welcome you back. Know, you're but... definitely not welcome to begin with, but at least I was there. And I brought a dub. They beat Michigan because I was there. I was the kiss of death for top ten teams last year. Well, And you might screw the whole season next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's very, very true. Stay um, tuned. A little sneak peek. But... Yeah, we, uh, we're working on our schedule for – for trips next year and, and Joe's getting in on the fun Joe uh, what was the first football game you were ever credentialed at the f- oh that I attended the game yeah credentialed the, the senior bowl 2017 yeah, you were a kid yeah. in a candy store sitting there eating yeah. that uh that catering that barbecue yeah, it's gonna be a problem I gotta back off of that yeah well uh unfortunately they don't give you you know double fist sized uh Reese's peanut butter cup footballs everywhere you go either. Good. Um, I, I don't want to attack a Kella Witherspoon again. You know, we've talked about a Kella Witherspoon in the build up to Good the draft. Thing. He went 66th overall. Joe had him 61st. Um, not enamored with the value. Oh, geez. Let's talk about the giants taking Dalvin Tomlinson at 55. Yeah. Uh, that to me really stood out. I mean, I liked Tomlinson, uh, but by and large, I thought he was more of like just a two-down guy. I, I didn't really foresee Tomlinson being somebody that was going to be targeted on day two, let alone the the Giants who already have big bodies on the interior. So uh, I would have thought they would have gone after a more penetration-style defender. 
Tomlinson going 55, the second defensive tackle off the board, uh, depending on what you classify uh, Malik McDowell as uh, going to Seattle. It's going to be fascinating to see how they end up using him. But Tomlinson, for me, uh, really don't know what you're getting from a pass rush perspective because Bama didn't ask him to do it. He was more stuff up the middle of the interior. Uh, I thought it, I did think at the Senior Bowl he showed some nice wiggle and, and looseness to him that I didn't see on tape. But still, to go 55, nah, that, that's a little rich for me. Yeah. You know, one of the picks that I thought was one of the most forced picks the entire draft was uh, South Alabama tight end Gerald Everett. Ooh, yeah. Rams R- Rams pulled the trigger at 44. I mean, that's that's close to a first round pick. Um, and I thought it was forced. Like you look at Sean McVay and you think, you know, he had to have his Jordan Reed for that offense. And, and he thought Gerald Everett was the closest thing to it and pulled the trigger. Uh, in the early second round, I like Gerald Everett. I do. I, I thought he was a nice fourth round option, move tight end. You, you split him into the H back role, line him up in the slot, create some create some size mismatches on on whoever lines up with him. Uh, you know, speed, good good movement skills, and no, now, now you've got him as a early second round tight end, and. I just don't know if that really meshes with his skill set. I thought it was a really forced pick. Yeah, you could have got Janu Smith a full round later. Yeah. Uh, Smith went 100 to the Titans, who, by the way, pairing with Delaney Walker is going to be really fun. Um, I I agree with you. I think Shaheen uh, going a pick later, like a really weird two-player run on tight ends, uh, going to Chicago was another pick to me that – Felt like it missed the mark. You know, I appreciate what they were trying to do, but to take a Division three kid who couldn't block at the Division three level in spite of being 278, and uh, you're going to ask him to step into what you would anticipate to be an early role at the NFL level where he's got enough of a developmental curve where he has to work at because, by and large, Shaheen, uh, the, the athleticism and size package is tremendous, but... Where he won was he just bullied people. He bullied people at the top of his routes. He bullied people in the open field. He bullied people at the catch point. And uh, I, I would expect he's going to get a lot more pushback at the uh, the next level than what he was able to get. So to take somebody with that steep of a curve at 45 uh, was another pick for me that was the disparity between the pick and the actual selection was over 100 points on my board. There were 15 wow. of those this year for me. Wow. Um, now I want to immediately look. I only had three 100-point disparities. Um, but the one I wanted to talk about, this is not 100 point. This is a 78-point disparity, and that's Charles Harris. Missouri edge oh boy, here we goes, go. goes to the Miami Dolphins at 22. Um, it's cool. Taco Charlton was on the board, but that's fine. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing is, I mean, it's just the way I valued Harris. Obviously, he was invited to the draft, so there was a pretty sense that most or, or a lot of the teams valued him in the first round. And, uh, you know, I, we talked about this before, 80% of the players invited to the draft get selected in the first round, which would be, I'd be curious to follow that up with this year and see how that went. But um, Harris is a player that was the 100th player on my board. Dolphins took him 22. Um, and he's a player that I just think ha- – has a very incomplete skill set. Uh, I don't have any respect for him as a run defender. Um, and I think he's kind of a niche 
speed rusher that has pretty good bend, but you know I don't know if he has any power to complement it. So um, I just thought he was a, an incomplete prospect. Now what he does is valuable, and I recognize that. But when I'm taking players in the top 25 first round, you know I want a player that's more more diverse. And, and that's I don't, I'm not. This wasn't about you or me or Dolphins Bills or anything. I mean I just literally thought that was a reach. No, I agree, and and the reason why I had quipped about uh, Taco Charlton being on the board is I would have much rather had Taco Charlton. Oh, um, and I thought that, and that I even mocked the friggin' Dolphins Charlton because I thought they were a prototype. Team. Well, apparently, if Harris was off the board, Charlton would have been the pick for the Dolphins. That's, oh, that's what I have since read after the draft, and uh, that would have been a home run, man. Yeah, um, the very different skill set. So it's interesting, though. Um, where where Harris's anticipation and burst and penetration and and Charlton has that, but it's not to the same degree of explosiveness. And he wins with first contact. You know, I I profiled Taco Charlton to the Dallas Cowboys uh, for Fan Rag Sports today because all I keep reading about on Twitter is these Dallas Cowboys fans are so upset they didn't pick T.J. Watt. And I love T.J. Watt. Everybody knows T.J. is one of my guys, but. To lament that pick for in because you took Taco Charlton. Taco's nice, man. He's really nice. I think he'll be really happy. Uh, I believe I read uh, another team, uh, Seattle, had a first round grade on Taco Charlton. Um, so so that's good company for teams like the Dolphins, uh, the Seattle Seahawks, uh, who who have productive defensive ends uh, to target somebody like Charlton, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys got Randy Gregory plus 30 pounds. That's what Taco Charlton is as far as just the length and the looseness that he has with that length. Uh, But getting back on track, uh, was really surprised uh, to see Julian Davenport get his name called as early as he did. Joe, this is another player that looking at both of our boards, uh, you had 209. I had 234. Uh, he went 130 to the Texans. And that, to me, kind of just felt like um, we know we need some long-term prospects yeah. at tackle. And we knew that, too. Right, yeah. That, that was no, no secret. You know, I had been told that they were, uh, depending on who was available, they might have had interest in taking one of the top three tackles in the first round if their quarterback was gone. Now, they got very proactive to go up and get him. They were fortunate to find a trading partner with Cleveland. Um, so, but I had been told beforehand, yeah, they're looking to add a tackle in this draft. But to pick Davenport at 130 uh, with, with just, you know, he fundamentally is a mess. Now, this was a player that for some reason had gotten buzz as a potential late for, do you remember this? Yeah. Julian Davenport is a late first-round player th- throughout the fall last year, and uh, it, he's a first-off-the-bus kind of guy. He looks the part. He's got those big, long arms, that big frame. He's got uh, the Mike Mayock bubble that Mayock likes to talk about. Um, but technically speaking and functional strength, it's it's just not there. I'm going to dip into the top ten. Any I know ideas? exactly where you're going. <laughs> John Ross. John Ross. Washington wide receiver, top 10 pick, John Ross. Ninth overall to the Bengals. Um, Bengals class is interesting because I think if you switch it around, you could you could, you could could make you sense could, of yeah, it. Yeah, you could get really excited about the picks that they landed if you just change the order in which they happened. Yeah, 
stack them how you want. And they've got first round players, second round players, third round players all throughout it, but just not necessarily how they picked them. John Ross, number nine overall. Uh, you know, I think this was a pick where obviously since he fell in love with the speed and, you know, really liked how he complimented AJ Green and created a, a difficult layer to the defense or to their offense to cover. But Ross is a top 10 pick and there's expectations that top 10 picks are number one wide receivers. And, you know, Ross is 188 pounds and struggles with physicality and he's got in his hands aren't natural. So not necessarily things I want to say about my top 10 wide receivers. Um, I just don't like the value. He's a player that I thought was, for me, early day two, uh, you you certainly don't even agree with that. He's 98th on your board. Um, so for both of us, this is a reach and just an odd one because I think they really they really liked they fell in love with the idea of John Ross, but lost sight of the value of John right. Ross. And it seemed like they were really taken by we need explosive plays. Yeah. Right. Like they, they were not an explosive offense last year. Uh, obviously, it, it did not help that Tyler Eifert was hurt for you know a good portion of the year. Um, but they looked to add speed across the board. You know, they brought in Joe Mixon, uh, explosive running back. They got John Ross, straight line speed guy. Uh, Joe, I don't know if you read this, but there was one uh, personnel individual. Uh, I did not catch. Actually, I don't believe it was published. Uh, the team that they were affiliated with, but they said they had considered John Ross a one-contract player. Oh wow! That for nine overall? Yeah, that's a little scary. Uh, so you know the the durability was a big concern, uh, and, and then again, just getting into play style. Um, I think you could have gotten better values if you wanted a vertical guy than where they landed him. Uh, let's see, moving on. How about Tariq Cohen going in the top 120? He's one I had in my back pocket. Yeah, I mean, we we both had him outside of our top 200 players. He went 119 to the Bears. Yeah. Um, Just, just, you know, I didn't see a lot of structure when he ran. He was like like the the playing Madden on rookie. That's how he did his his big plays came. He's 170 pounds or something? Yeah, he's he's fun. He's lightning in a (laughs) bottle. He's really quick. Uh, but he was fun and really quick at North Carolina AT. Uh, <laughs> y- you know, that to me, I don't necessarily – I didn't see the dominance and the, the consistency on how you're getting your yards. He's like doubling back and, you know, he's bouncing all around in short areas and making you know, these, these small school kids look silly. But um, I didn't see a lot of the reading things pressing into the line of scrimmage. I didn't see structure and patience and you know, one cut and get north and south. It's, it was like he was doing a lot of effort to go nowhere to force missed tackles. And um, you see that with a lot of scat backs in college where they're so used to making moves but not continuing to progress up the field. And then at the NFL level, you get caught doing that. So that's my concern with Cohen and then obviously the level of competition and, and how he got his explosive plays. And well, He's a fun athlete. Make no mistake about it but he's certainly not somebody I'm targeting in the top 120. How about Roderick Johnson? And you know it's bad when he's a reach at 160. Yeah. (laughs) He's a 100-point deviation. He's the 260th highest graded player on my board, Roderick Johnson. 
160 is a hundred point reach on my board. And I'll tell you what, this Browns offensive line coach, I don't know who he is, but he's got a lot of work in front of him. He should be glad he's got, uh, you know, uh, Thomas and Betonio and better and uh, Zeitler because that, the work- that number five spot's going to be a hard one to fill. Oh Lord. Between Irving, uh, Sean Coleman, the Baylor kid, Drango, and Roderick Johnson. Good Lord. My money's That's... on Sean Coleman, for the record. No, it should be. No, and no, I don't disagree with you. It should be. But those other three guys, like, I mean, you want to talk about projects. Well, here's, God, here, here's where I'm confused because they had the same player with an extra 20 pounds on his frame in Irving. Why are you drafting Roderick Johnson? I got nothing for you, Krabs. He's uh, he Florida State. It's a crime what they're doing to offensive linemen down there. They're coming out of college, and they're just a train wreck of of technique. They have no clue what they're doing. They cross over their feet. They're folding at the waist and chasing guys in space. They play on a narrow base, and it's – I just – I don't understand what the allure is with with Florida State kids because you saw with Cam Cam Irving, I thought I was low on Cam Irving. I had him in like the 50s. 40s or 50s when he came out, and he went in the top 20, and yep. uh, it's been a dumpster fire, and Johnson's the same issues, and just because you're getting at 160 doesn't mean the package that he's coming with isn't going to be a dumpster fire. Yeah, I'm most optimistic like you are on Sean Coleman, but my goodness, they've got so many guys that need work, and it's a good thing they have four solid guys, because <laughs> it's going to be a project. Um Banner too, Zach Banner. Oh uh, yeah, that's a that's a great call on your part as far as uh way too rich for my blood for Banner. Well uh, where did he I'm I'm scrolling he, through my list. Where'd he, he go? He went uh one thirty seven to the Colts. I had him two forty, you had him one eighty one. So uh, a, a huge reach for me, a, a pretty reach for you. Yeah. And what what is he gonna do? I, I how is he can't move. Can't move. Yeah. And and it's a shame when you have to cut weight to get to three sixty, right? <laughs> or and you I'm, have two I'm sorry, surgeries. He, he cut weight to get to three fifty. Okay. And his goal was to get down to what three ten by the draft. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he got there. Spoiler alert. Um. Let's see. How about um. You know, I thought I really liked Terrell Basham. Joe, and it turns out you were much more accurate on on the valuation here. Um, I had him 151. I liked him a lot. I I thought this is somebody that is going to um, probably take a little bit of time, but the traits are there. This is a developmental upside kind of player, and he went 80th to the Colts. And with that said, I really like what the Colts did, and I like the addition of Basham. But I was just a little surprised to see uh, how early the NFL coveted him, uh, but but not necessarily surprised to you. No, I, I was a little bit more enamored with the with the complete skill set, and um, it, it, nobody's right right now. You know what I mean? It's, who knows? But it's always There's nice. Not... It's nice to know the NFL thought the same way you did. Sure, but then when they don't, I also don't care. So it's a tough. It's a fine line with that. Um, how about Stevie T? I'm shocked this guy got drafted. 
Well, yeah, and that's the thing is we're talking about a player that's picked 223 overall being a reach. He's my 290th player, so it's a, it's almost a 70-point reach. But my goodness, he's old and doesn't do anything. I, I mean, literally. it's, yeah, it's just, uh, he's, uh, he's the fridge in the middle. How boring is that? All right, he's, um, he's Daniel McCullers with leverage. Well, that's a pretty good. That then you that's the most that's fairly exciting. Well, cuz McCullers, you know, out, coming out of Tennessee, he was the bee's knees and <laughs> he was the least exciting athlete I've ever seen in my life. Like at least DVT has some push forward. Yeah. Um but again, I'm making a case for him. I had him 299 out of 300. Let so, me ask you this, guy. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Yeah. When you look at your reaches overall, are there any that you can get behind based on the scheme and where they went and the fit. And yeah, you say, you know what, eh, that's high for me, but I can get behind it because of where he went. Sure. I think you, you have to like Tim Williams, uh, to sure. Baltimore. uh, that one was, he was a reach for both of us. He was notably a reach on my board. Uh, he went 78, um, really exciting landing spot. Uh, Charles Harris, I, I'm trying to talk myself into a little more because he's going to learn from Cam Wake. He's not going to be pressed into action early in his career. Uh, they, they do have uh, Branch and Wake as the starting ends there right now. So he's going to be a rotational third down pressure player early on. Um, Kevin King, still a massive reach on my board. Uh, that one for me I'm a little less excitable on because uh, – they started Ladarius Gunter. They need bodies, yeah. and they need them to play. I think if King was going to go somewhere, uh, and I was going to be okay, they're they're going off the traits, but they've got a developed roster. They don't need the contributions early on. That's not the case with uh, Kevin King. So as I'm working my way down, like my worst discrepancies from actual pick, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm seeing names like Tim Williams and Charles Harris, where. Okay, pass rushers, especially Williams. Uh, I, I think, especially with everything else that they added there in the front seven, uh, rotational rusher, Charles Harris, rotational rusher. Um, Jordan Willis is another weird one for me, just because he really goes against what Balt or what Cincinnati has always coveted in pass rushers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe he plays more of a Manny Lawson role. Sure. And, I'd like that. I'd and like if that's that the him. case, then then I'm a little more okay with it. Again, Basham's another one that I had just mentioned, and uh, Tano Passigno is another one. Um, I think as a, a potential disruption five tech there, um, I think he's got some ability to really come into his own. And they've got bodies. You know, they got Chris Jones from last year. He'll be more of a rotational guy. They'll throw some weight on him. Uh, so he was he went early. He went 59th in the second yeah. round. Um, I, I like him. I'm okay with the fit. Still a little early for me, but I don't hate it. Here's one that I have, and, and I'll, I'll get through it this time. Curtis Samuel. <laughs> <laughs> Ohio State. Yeah. To the Carolina Panthers. Pick 40th. 40th. 40th overall. 80th player on my board, 78th on yours. And I've really subscribed to – what the Panthers needed to do around Cam Newton this year. I've, I've said it before. This is a big, big season for this Panthers offense. They lost a lot of important pieces. You know, Ted Ginn has been an important piece for them. Philly Brown 
uh, has been a contributor. And, and when you take those two players away from their team, you're left with a bunch of big giants with no speed element. And Christian McCaffrey in the first round is a beautiful compliment to Jonathan Stewart uh, and, and a big-time receiving threat out of the backfield, which is what Cam Newton's going to need this year. He's not going to be able to throw a football to July. That's a big deal, people. So implementing quick screen game, the the – uh, some stuff where he can run arrow routes on linebackers and separate is going to be big. And now you double dip here with a Curtis Samuel who you can you can do all the same things. Well, not all the same things you do with Christian McCaffrey, but in terms of getting a, an electric athlete in space in the quick passing game to give Cam Newton that layer where he can also do that and he can also throw it up at the catch point to Calvin Benjamin and Greg Olson. And, and there's still the power running games there with himself and Jonathan Stewart. Now you've got an electric athlete in Curtis Samuel, and you've got an elusive back to complement Stewart and Christian McCaffrey. And I really like the weapons around Cam Newton and, and how that's all going to complement each other to create a really nice scheme, something that can be more timing-based and uh, really help Cam Newton come back from injury and get things, get the ball out of his hands quicker. And I think this is an important year. And they put the they put the players around him. So a player that's a reach, especially at forty, based on the way both you and I valued him. Uh, I get real. I can really get behind how he complements that that roster. Let me ask you this: Is it, was this a mulligan for you? Is this like your redemption story from the analysis that you weren't <laughs> able to get out? I wanted, man. I wanted air? to say all that live, but when I was talking about when I was thinking about Curtis Samuel. And I'm thinking about Chris Samuel, an offensive tackle for Redskins. Tisk, you know, tisk, tisk. I couldn't get it out, man. Couldn't get it out. So um, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, maybe that was a little bit of redemption, but uh, that I'm, is what I wanted to say. I'm glad you got it out. And I will I will have you know, while recording, I have talked through a couple hiccups here because I'm on my third Mr. Energy drink of the, the day. <laughs> and I know that was a catalyst for you losing your mind previously. Uh, on day one, so it's because you're not here. Yeah. I, I can. Yeah, but no, I can... I've, I've muted my microphone. Thank you. I've I've been ending sentences and the quick mute unmute so that I don't distract you and I allow you to perform up to your optimal ability. You know what? That's that's chemistry, man. Yeah, I know. It's good stuff. Uh, speaking of good stuff, I think that's going to do it for us today. We got about 25 minutes of. Uh, of show for the people kind of overviewing our personal draft boards and where there were some disparities as far as what we thought was poor values. Um, Not necessarily all of them reaches when you consider the context of scheme and and what teams look for, but off of our boards, uh, some players and picks that we felt might've missed the mark as far as optimizing their value. Thank you guys so much for tuning back in and listening to us yet again. Um, Oh, this was our first week after the draft. We're, we're, we're hanging loose right now. We feel really good. Uh, and, and we are going to be back next week. We're going to start going division by division. We have uh, four weeks, the, the month of May for us. Uh, we're we're going to finish this draft class with really in-depth breakdowns of every division's draft selections. And uh, we, are, we are looking forward to kicking that off on Monday next week, really taking the deep dive and uh, that is what we have on deck for the next several weeks. So if you are a fan of a team, please hang in there. We will get to you. If you uh, are, are interested in your division rivals, we got one show. If you're interested in the competition for the conference, then we can appeal to uh, 
half of our shows. If you're interested in your Super Bowl competition, which obviously at this point it's May 5th, everybody's going to the Super Bowl next year, so I'm talking to all of you, then you got to tune into every show. And you got to know how every team did because you never know which one is going to be the one that your team plays in the Super Bowl. Yeah, if you love football, that's you know, this is for you. Uh, yeah, you know, how could I forget? Yeah. Uh, year-round draft podcast. So that's that's what we do. So we, we – Go ahead. We need a little. We need a little time to, to. We we have to have some knowledge to talk about the 2018 class too. So right, yeah, we're buying ourselves some time to do some <laughs> film study on these guys. So look at it that way. You know, just be yeah. patient and tune in because you love the game of football and you love listening to the draft dudes. And we thank you for that. I'm Kyle Krabs signing off with Joe Marino. We are the draft dudes, and we will be back next Monday bringing you the AFC East. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.